Warning, Serious Business is a podcast about Homestuck, carefully educating you on needlessly complicated inventory systems that eventually get retired from a game you never get to play that doesn't actually exist. Hello, and welcome to Serious Business, a Homestuck book club. My name is Sam, my pronouns are he, him, and you can find me on Pesterchum at Campy Audiophile. My name's Samariel, my pronouns are they, them, and you can find me on Pesterchum at Archivist Descended. Uh, I am Bastion, my pronouns are he and they, and you can find me on Pesterchum at Tired Artisan. Let's talk about Homestuck. Yeah, so we read pages 1 through 136 for this week. Indeed, we all did. We have now. We have now. Uh, I got my wires crossed a little bit and actually read significantly less than everybody else until now. So you also read a substantial amount of problems, Luth, though. I did. So, yeah. So the, so (laughs) y'all, I don't know if both of you are reading in physical books, but I'm reading on the uh, browser archive because I figure if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this Homestuck thing, I want to do it right. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm doing this and I'm, in my history of playing games online, when things pop up that you can click on, you're supposed to, and you do those things until there are no more things to click on. And then you go back to the thing you were already doing. And I got about probably not even like a seventh of the way into Pester Sleuth or Problem Sleuth. And I was like, wait, this is much longer than I thought it was going to be. I did play all of the bard game. I got through some of the prison game. And then I was like, I wow. I really need to just read Homestuck. Wow. This, is, this is a side quest. I'll come back to this. Oops. You had the MS Paint adventures. All of them. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, they weren't the worst. Uh, no, not at all. They're, no. they're yeah. fine things to read on their own. Problem Sleuth's pretty great. I I am very curious about where Problem Sleuth is going, uh, but I'm way more curious about where Homestuck is going. Uh, since you're our resident first-timer, Samario, why don't you give us uh, just a quick summary of what we went over? All right. So not a lot has happened. I'm very much feeling what you guys were talking about of this whole first act being very much the tutorial stage of the story. Because my God, do we spend so much time with inventory deck shit and figuring out how that all works. There's moments where I was like, this is obnoxious. And moments where I'm like, this is genius and hilarious. So, um, yeah, so the plot, as far as I have surmised so far, is we, the reader, are playing a game as John. John Egbert, I believe was his name? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, John, who is also trying to play a game, but also, like, his life is a game? Question marks. So we are playing as John and trying to get this game that we really want from the mailbox and you wouldn't think that would take so much time to tell but it does and and it it holds the attention pretty well i will say um but yeah so you do such things as message your friends uh pick up cake make a sort of groucho marx disguise kit (laughs) um 
finally you go downstairs and you open the most ungodly birthday present of this <laughs> bizarre bizarre jester doll uh you fuck up your grand grandma's ashes i think it was you sure do uh you're you're missing uh, one big thing, which is uh, you attempt to bludgeon your father to death with a hammer. That that comes later, because first you go outside, oh, yeah. and the most dramatic monologue comes out <laughs> of nowhere, and uh, then you try to take a shit in front of the mailbox, and then you go inside and try to bludgeon your father. Um, and you throw down some smoke pellets, you steal your game, cake and present box and you run back up to your room and uh then you try to play your game and that's pretty much where we're at that's that's pretty good that's pretty thorough so not a lot happens but the way it is told is very impactful Mm. yeah i can definitely see what people meant about this thing using the medium very well and I'm sure we haven't even fucking scraped the surface yet of all the stuff. I'm very excited to, though. A few things I want to touch on quick. So we've ha- encountered a few pages with sound at this point. Yeah. Um, this is my my annotation on like crediting those artists. So page 77, the haunting piano frame is <gasps> uh, the it. song Showtime Piano Refrain. That is by Kevin Regami, who has also done work on the game's Celeste and Darkest Dungeon. Page 82, which is the dramatic monologue, is Windchime Foley, which is an unreleased track by Clark Powell. Um, Page 88, when John enters the kitchen, the song is Harlequin by Mark Hadley. And page 90, The Strife, is Showtime, the original mix by Malcolm Brown. Both versions of Showtime and Harlequin are all available on Homestuck Volume 1, which is $4.13 on Bandcamp. Hell yeah. Also, while we're talking about the the music, I want to give a, a shout out to the folks who put together the Homestuck web browser because its music tracking feature is really incredible. Uh, it has like a link to the, the music on the pages where they play. And then mm-hmm. uh, it has links to all of the uh, music that you've experienced so far. And the rest of it is just question marked out. Uh, and it really turns a reread into like an experience that I'm excited about uncovering all of these tracks. I'm really interested to see how they do that when you get up to albums that like have songs that are not featured in the comic. Mm-hmm. We are, I guess, talking about medium for a bit. Do you guys want to talk about your perception of it, like reading in the browser versus um, like the books for Bastion? Yeah, so I've been reading both in the web browser and in the um, physical Topotaco books. And I got to say, like the web browser is really well put together. It does capture a lot of that original experience for me. Um, The books are, you know, an adaptation of Homestuck, I would say, more than Homestuck proper. The author's commentary is nice, usually. it's There's some interesting stuff in there. Um, but like Homestuck, there is just kind of a lot of it, and some of it is space filler. I'm reading the Viz Media books and uh, the Viz Media website, because I figured one of us should at least be reading like the current thing that's posted online. And 
having read some of the other Homestuck books, this one is definitely like not my favorite just because so much of like the capsule log and inventory stuff is told through GIFs. Mm. And even as someone who understands how capture logging works, not being able to see the animations and like everything flying around makes it pretty hard to understand what's going on. Oh, yeah. The everything flying around animations were absolutely delightful. Like I as someone who knows next to nothing about capture log and all of this stuff, I, I get the basic premise from context. And then once they establish, like, yeah, it's just going to fly out of his pockets now. I'm just like, oh, yep, that's what's going on. Cool. <laughs> and you just watch it fucking fly out the window. I was howling. And a lot of these things, like, at the beginning are, like, not necessarily, like, foreshadowing because I think it's just a coincidence. But a lot of these items that John catalogs kind of have some like, bigger relevance later in the story. I kind of got that vibe. Obviously, the whole sort of vibe is very video game. And the items have such specificity to them that I'm like, oh, hello, Chekhov's gun. Hello, Chekhov's gun number two. Hello, Chekhov's gun number three. Oh, boy. Everything's a Chekhov's gun when you can just pick up another item and something will go shooting out of your inventory. Yep. I'm very curious about where all this broken glass is going to go now. <laughs> and indeed, I think, uh, you know, we talked last time about the serial nature of it. And when you're writing not all at once, you can come back to the stuff you've done earlier and just take anything. It's more of a Chekhov's armory than anything else. Yeah. <laughs> Chekhov's armory. That's such a good term. Uh, we should probably talk about John, right? Like, Hell yeah! Sam, how are you feeling about John at this point? Uh, John, to me, feels like every video game boy that I knew in high school with all the movie references and, like, the wall of McConaughey and all of the, like, <laughs> the reverential nature of, like, fuck yeah, dude, look at these junk movies. I'm gonna obsess over these and I think they're fantastic. It's like, you know what? I'm You do that, babe. I'm proud of you. But but it is important to give your characters unique flaws. And for John, that means he likes shit movies. First off, I will fight on behalf of the film Contact, which I saw referenced. Uh, I, I did very much enjoy Contact, but... Uh, I don't think I've seen any of the films that are referenced at the beginning. It's what? Contact. Armageddon. Uh, Con Air. Oh. Deep Impact. Yeah. Mac and Me. I have seen Mac and Me. Uh, and when I saw that poster, I screamed. I I've seen Mac and Me because MST3K did an episode of it. Um, I have seen Failure to Launch, and I have seen Contact. Those oh, was Olympus Has Fallen also in there? Uh, Ghostbusters 2, I believe, which I believe I have seen. The other thing, yeah, the games John has include uh, Problem Sleuth and Bard Quest and Jailbreak, which were the three prior MSPA adventures. Indeed. Um, it also includes the Ghostbusters 2 MMORPG, which uh, no one has created yet, unfortunately. This is the darkest <laughs> timeline. <laughs> I will say one thing that struck me this time was, like, we talked about how Obama was the Homestuck <laughs> president, and I never got, like, ah, yes, we're going to make fun of all these movies which show a black president as, like, a novelty, because this was happening, like, early 2009, right at the beginning of Obama's presidency. Um, and I just got a kick out of that this time, which had never really landed before. Hell yeah. It's good stuff. I thoroughly enjoy it. I'm very curious. John seems like a very blank slate 
And I'm sure part of that is due to the nature of him being vaguely puppeteered by the audience. But I, I'm very curious about where this is going to go. Again, that fucking dramatic monologue of a title sequence was a huge left turn <laughs> for me. And I, I'm terrified and excited. Yeah. Do you want to read that? Um, I can. What page is it on? It's page 82, I believe. So John goes out to pick up his game from the mailbox. Uh, he finds it is not in the mailbox. And then we get the Homestuck title card. Along with the sound of wind and a wind chime over complete silence. The streets are empty. Wind skims the voids keeping neighbors apart as if grazing the hollow of the cut reed. Or say, a plundered mailbox. A familiar note is produced. It's the one desolation plays to keep its instrument in tune. It is your 13th birthday, and as with all 12 preceding it, something feels missing from your life. The game presently eluding you is only the latest sleight of hand in the repertoire of an unseen riddler, one to engender a sense not of mirth, but of lack. His coarse schemes are those less of a prankster than a common pickpocket. His riddle is absence itself. It is a mystery dispersing altogether, like the moon's faint reflection with even one pebble of inquiry dropped in its black well. It is the most diabolical riddle of all. Absence diminishes little passions and increases great ones as wind extinguishes candles and fans a fire. Walt Whitman. Yes, you are certain Walt Whitman said that. 100% positive. You have a feeling it's going to be a long day. And then immediately after, shit in front of the mailbox. Like, I feel like that juxtaposition very much embodies my current Homestuck experience. That is something I think will probably hold true for you. <laughs> I believe it. Well, and yeah, the comic does whiplash mm -hmm. because it's a way of keeping readers on their toes. For sure. I am very curious about the motif of the Riddler, the Harlequin. We have all these clowns. We have that god-awful present doll thing, whatever the <laughs> fuck that is. Chekhov's cannon. I, I don't know what it means. I think the fact that it's associated with the dad is suspicious. Yeah. I, I <laughs> how, do we, how do we feel about dad at this point? I, I have no idea. Because the, the vibe that is given is like, oh, God. Like, it, it's somewhere between my dad is a video game boss and my dad is an absolute loser nerd. Because it's like, oh, yeah, he loves clowns so much and all this stuff. And then it's like, I have to put on a disguise and then beat my dad with a hammer. I am all over the board here. I think it's interesting, too, because we only see dad from John's perspective, right? And he is literally a faceless entity. Very interesting. The only times dad gets to like use his own voice is on like the notes that he writes to John. And it's like, champ, you can do anything if you put your mind to it. I believe in you. Right? Like, yeah, dad's notes are vaguely ominous, but overall supportive. And he wants to make sure that John has a good birthday by baking him, what was it? So four many cakes. cakes? So many cakes. Okay. You know what, Sam? Actually, that's a very good observation. I didn't even think about that. 
that very much changes everything. <laughs> the idea of perceiving this adult figure through the eyes of a 13-year-old explains a lot of the dissonance that I'm having with, like, the different narratives of dad that we're getting. Mm -hmm. So that actually adds a really solid context that I appreciate. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Bastion, say something about dad. Uh, I think dad is great. I really relate to having a baking problem. In this, the Homestuck era, baking too many cakes because you are stuck at home and you want to show love to the people you care about is the mood. Or, I mean, it was a year ago. Or has he been bewitched by the notorious batter witch herself, Betty Crocker? Indeed, uh, <laughs> Betty Crocker is evil. We know this, and... Uh, this is canonical. Betty Crocker is Betty evil. Betty Crocker is evil. Oh, no. This... Uh, this is known. I grew up with Betty Crocker cookbook, though, so I'm feeling uh, conflicted. The influence was in your own home. Nothing is sacred. All hail the batter witch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John is also defined as like an aspiring programmer, but I find it pretty funny that as an aspiring programmer he doesn't know how like data structures yeah, work everyone else is better at data structures than he is and are constantly dunking on him for his shitty data structures yeah, it's because like honestly queues and stacks are like very helpful but would not be helpful for an inventory management system side note here i took a data structures class in college and i knew about data structures because I had read Homestuck and because of all this capsulog bullshit, I was like, ah, yes, this is how a queue is supposed to operate. This is how a stack is supposed to operate. This is how a tree is supposed to operate. And I was like, oh, right, this is just all these different capsulog systems that I have learned from reading this thing. And now I have to like use in a class and create. So that was kind of fun. So what you're saying is Homestuck is not only baffling and fantastic, but educational. Yes. It's Hell training yeah. for real life. Although, you know, the languages, which are in Homestuck, Till Death and Disasterisk, you know, they're not real languages, but Till yes. Death is a great name for a language. It really is. I did not get that it was pronounced that way until this read. Hell yeah. It's, it's a heavy metal name, and I love it very much. That does explain why you didn't call me out when I used Till Death as a NPC name in one of our D&D games. Uh, she was the necromancer. Wait, really? You named yes. a necromancer Till Death? Till Death. It's funny. Till Death. I hate you. I, I totally did you. not get that. <laughs> you homestuck memeing fuck. Yes, it is me. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... I don't know about you, but I had a couple of thoughts reading this section. Yeah. Um, nope, I had so, no thoughts whatsoever. Head blank, empty. hearts empty, can't lose. Yep. Go ahead, Bastion. Go ahead, Bastion. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so one of the things I want to talk about is the idea of Homestuck as buildings roman for the modern era. So I'm especially going to be looking at pages 30 and pages 82. 82 is the, the monologue we just did. And 30 is a page of narration. John is being bothered by his computer. Uh, He's being pestered by a chum, in fact. He's being pestered by a chum. So so the concept of the buildings roman is a literary theory. It, it basically means it's a coming-of-age story. Um, it is a character learning and growing through difficulty. 
and the modern aspect is really looking at how John and his friends grow in their relationships with each other and as people without really being in person for the time being and for a while still. Like the isolation that John really exudes in this section that we read is really striking. Um, the bit we just read on page 82, the note desolation plays, like that is a full sort of, it's not really a monologue, but it is a solid chunk of narration about the space between John and everything that he sort of desires and finds fulfilling. There, there is a, a deep sense of lack, absence, longing. Um, and the other side of that is that John's relationships are primarily digital. Like John has, has a, there is a relationship with dad, but it is definitely not a friendship and there's no dialogue. There's no conversation. There's no real sense of connection there. He tried to beat the man with a hammer. <laughs> Indeed. Exactly. <laughs> Um, whereas TT and TG and GG really are the only people who seem to interact with John in like a meaningful way. Uh, and yeah. I think that's something that might hit a little closer to home this last year than it, it did even when it was yeah. written. Um, yeah. Homesuck is a story about internet friends and, uh, are we all stuck at home? What? If we're being good people. God damn it, Sam. I'm sorry. Please continue. Uh, yeah. I mean, we do still have to leave the house, but like, not in the same way we did. Well, I guess we have to leave the house if we're essential workers. Or non-essential workers who are still working in person. Like me. What's up? It's me. I'm not bitter at all. Uh, it's fine. I like my job. I enjoy working with the public and I really wish they were not in the building at the moment, but it's fine. I'm fine for now. Were you going to say something a bit about like the harassment bit or? Yes. So that's the, the other thing. Um, I've talked about what I wanted to say on page 82 although I will come back to that with my next thing. On page 30, mm. we get this line. Um, Sometimes you feel like you are trapped in this room, stuck, if you will, in a sense which possibly borders on the titular. And now your chum is pestering you again. The clockwork of friendship turns ceaselessly, operating the swing lever dealies of harassment in perpetuity. Whatever, the dude can just hold his damn horses. This strikes me as something that is sort of very spot on to the coming of age in the internet era mm -hmm. as I've experienced it at least when it comes to like we have sort of more constant access to each other and to our friends than really at any other point in history absolutely and so that line between yeah am I bothering this person and do I have a connection to this person really is sort of confused in a way that I don't think it would be recognizable to anyone yeah. before. 
Especially when they're kind of faceless at this people, right? Like for your internet friendships, if you just know people through text, there's like a, a weird way that you like can't get the full interaction with someone because um, mm-hmm. it makes it hard to be sarcastic or to read tone across the digital airwaves. Right. And there's a lack of sort of established etiquette as well. Like if I show up at your house at like seven in the morning and like hand you a newspaper or something and be like, hey, read this, obviously that's unacceptable. If I send you a meme when I wake up at 630 in the morning, like which you have done, (laughs) am I bothering you? Do you have your notifications off? I don't know. And so there's this ambiguity about am I bothering you? Am I not? What is the line? How accessible should we be to each other that I think is really interesting. So that's a brief look sort of at the buildings Roman. I did pull this quote from Wikipedia on sort of the genre of the buildings Roman. Usually in the beginning of the story, there is an emotional loss, which makes the protagonist leave on his or her journey. In a buildings Roman, the goal is maturity and the protagonist achieves it gradually and with difficulty. So I think we have seen already that there is that loss present. How? Because I would argue that the loss doesn't come until later. Well, there are subsequent losses. I I know what you're saying. But I think that that sense of the emotional loss is already present at the beginning. Like I I think for this modern telling of it, John doesn't start in a creation state to use our Calvin education a little bit. (laughs) John exists fully already broken at the beginning of the story. There's already the emotional hole there. Very cool. That was one thing I noticed. I did have another thing I noticed, but if anyone else has something they want to talk about, we can space it out. Yeah, let me quick. Homestuck as a buildings Roman is something we're going to come back to. It is one of the big ongoing themes across the story. And and it's definitely something we're going to come back to and keep updating as we meet more characters where they are and as they all grow um, through playing this game, which is, we haven't mentioned the name of yet. The game is called Sburb. Uh, that's S-B-U-R-B. Yeah, I was actually going to ask how that's properly pronounced. Nobody knows. You just say it confidently, and then you're like, yes. Well, because my brain Spurb. wants to put all the vowels back in there, but monkey Suburb. brain goes spurb. Um, spurb. So I, I wasn't sure. Yeah. yeah. So that actually brings me fantastically to the second thing I want to talk about, about this first section of Homestuck. Segways? Hell yeah, segways. We're a real podcast. Look, I saw the notes document. So <laughs> Homestuck is doing in this first section a really interesting, or at least interesting to me, commentary on suburbia. Now, I didn't really grow up in suburbia proper, but, you know, I had a lot of access to it, and I have done a little bit of thinking about sort of urban design and that sort of um, the built environment, especially as someone whose primary means of transportation is a bicycle. A bicycle. A bicycle. <laughs> Words good. That's a popsicle, isn't it? Tastes delicious. Yeah, it's two popsicles. Ah. It's got gumball spokes. You got to be careful of all those spokes, though. Listen, it's a tough way to get around, but it is really rewarding. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold, too. Sorry, please continue. Yeah. So, again, looking at that, the note desolation plays page. There is, and it's it's connected to that sense of absence and isolation 
the the voids keeping neighbors apart. There there is a sort of visual uncanniness to the neighborhood. It is sort of that like ticky tacky boxes. Every house is not quite the same, Mm -hmm. but there is no visual markers to tell any of the houses apart, really. And even like the wind and the wind chime foley really give the sense of an empty, isolated space, which is a really solid reflection of the idea of the shrinking American childhood, which is a like real problem. And it's a social problem, but its roots are in built infrastructure, right? Like suburbia is not built for children. Yeah, and we even like see the relics of John's childhood in the pogo ride out front and the tire swing. Mm-hmm. Right. So like there's the built environment problem, which is that when you build a suburb, you build it to be driven through. Yeah. And make it inaccessible to anyone who can't drive or who doesn't want to drive or who just wants to go on a walk around their neighborhood. And if you can't walk around your neighborhood, you can't meet your neighbors. You can't go to a park or a library or any place where children would gather and meet each other. So John can leave his house. Like it's built up into like the titular John can leave. He goes out and gets the mail, but there's nowhere he can go. He's still homestuck, even if he's not locked in his home. Yeah. Well, because every house is the same. Everywhere he looks is just his house. Exactly. So I think that's a very interesting commentary on like the suburban experience. And as someone who like works at a library, which is one of the only places still accessible to children, Mm. it's those sort of third spaces that allow people to gather outside of home and school or home and work like those are really important for forming the sort of communities and the social infrastructure that helps build resiliency in communities um we're off on a track now um but i highly recommend the book palaces for the people uh this is this is my own like support your local librarian and now someone's got a shit in front of a mailbox (laughs) as for like medium thus far we can see some motifs here some inspirations some clear comparisons to be drawn uh to homestuck are earthbound the video game which like you might have noticed that John's chum handle is the initials EB for Earthbound. I mean, like even the, the name similar, but similar things include using everyday items as like your weapons, um, right? John picks up a hammer and that's his weapon for the rest of the story. <laughs> One thing that I also like, I've heard the comparison made before, but it really kind of didn't set in on me until this read through is like the Scott Pilgrimness of it all, sure. right? Because it's very similar in that it presents to you a reality which is similar to our own reality in that it's like, here's a house and this guy walking through his house and also takes complete departures because you have like people dueling. Yep. Integrated video game logic. Yeah, integrated video. Everyone's like, oh yeah, you know. Put the items in your inventory. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I'm sorry, what? Exists in like a meta state. Like, yeah. Oh, God. 
It's wild it, and it I is, love it. Both <laughs> in the world and not at the same time. There are like things yeah. just hovering around which are apparent to the character and interactable with, but also unfixed in time and space. Uh, yeah. But like they're unfixed in time and space, but they still feel intuitive to the viewer because we're familiar with the language of video games. Yes, but Homestuck takes the language of video games and doesn't corrupt it, but just kind of like messes it up and uses its own. Because there's a bit where it's like, equip the disguise and the the text is like equip is not a thing you can do in this thing you have to like figure out the right word to like actually wear the thing and so it kind of pokes fun of like video game logic and mm -hmm. systems in that way which i get a little bit of a kick out of it is pretty great all the little nods and winks out there for another thing that kind of ties into what bastion was talking about is the theme of agency and unagency in the story both for john and for us as readers because mm -hmm. for readers we've talked about the fight with dad a whole bunch of times but like you have the fight with dad where you can pick one of two options but those are the only two options and it never goes anywhere mm -hmm. the only thing that readers can control i mean at this point is how long you stay on a page yep and john has that weird bit of like unagency too where it's like he he can leave the house, but he can't go anywhere. Yeah, he doesn't actually have like anything he can do at this point because he's just kind of stuck. And I find it interesting that John also kind of has agency in that because some of the things that would pop up like take a shit on your desk and he would be like, no, that's stupid. Why would I do that? Yeah, which also takes away from the agency of the reader slash text inputter, right? Yeah, they can't both be in control. Yeah. Which is very interesting to do to a narrative. <laughs> yeah. Sam, I think one thing that's going to like help you as you go along is if you stop thinking of it as the reader playing a text-based adventure game and just kind of think about it as like the narrative mm -hmm. telling the characters what to do. Sure. I mean, obviously, at this stage in the game, we can't control anything because we're yes. not the people who were in the message. But it's the meta-narrative of phrasing your comic as a video game. Yes, and, and as a text-based adventure game specifically. Yeah, and obviously I can't do anything that will change the story and whatnot, but, like, that framework is there. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying yeah. I am God and I will make John Egbert dance, but... No. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to talk about the characterization of TG, or do we want to hold off on that till the character's introduced? Which one is uh -huh. TG? The red text the red. man. Red text. Turn tech godhead. Turn tech godhead. Oh boy. We certainly can. I mean, mostly... Do you, yeah, do you have anything you want to say? I mean, mostly the... What we have gathered about... Well, okay. I am sometimes bad at picking up clues. Who sent the rabbit gift? Was that... Uh, it is not confirmed. Oh, we I, don't know. Well, yet. it might be confirmed. It. John has three friends one speaks in green text one speaks in purple text and one speaks in red text and we have seen a red box and a green box ah. um so i feel like we can make some assumptions there and not actually like spoil anything fair enough yeah i think that's yeah. pretty clear in the visual language yeah it's also kind of a bit as well because we know that john got tg the very shades that ben stiller wore from a film indeed and so I'm the gift that John gets uh, The gift is... does say from TG. 
Okay. There is a there Wait, is a tag. Has John opened the gift yet, or is that a story John, that I John just has said? opened the gift. Okay. Yeah, John's opened the gift, and it's it's the bunny from the the from Con Air. Scene yes. That that we got to watch. Yes. Uh, Put the bunny back in the box. Back in the box. <laughs> we need to. I've never seen Con Air, but I feel like Neither I need to now. Uh, I mean, I feel like I've picked up a lot of Con Air from context, but I would be oh, down sure. to do a, a, a Con Air as it relates to Homestuck episode with y'all. Yeah. If you want to do a bonus yeah, episode yeah. on that. We'll, we'll do, I'm into yeah. it. Support us on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a Patreon. Uh, yeah. We should get yeah. one so Bastion can get his cat ear headphones <laughs> and we can talk about Con Air. <laughs> can talk about Con Air every time. The first conversation that John and TG have, this is something that I didn't know, but was in the author's commentary, it was funny, was an actual, like, conversation that Hussey had with someone else online that he, like, had this chat log saved and was like, I'm going to incorporate over the course of this story a bunch of, like, internet chats that I've had into what the characters are saying. But I think this is actually the only one that ended up in the comic. Mm. That's fantastic. Yeah, there is cool. one other, according to the author commentary. Oh, Yes. Oh my. Uh, which we have not encountered it's not yet. Not until much later, though. Yeah. What else do we know about John from this? I mean, there's a little bit of gay panic from John, which, like, eh. His, his love of McConaughey? No, it's when uh, TG says that TT's been hitting on him all day, which is weird. No spoilers. TG says, Is it there? Please say yes. It, referring to the game. Is it there? Please say yes. Maybe you can play with TT. She's been pestering me all day about it. She's macking on me so hard all the time i start to feel embarrassed for her i mean not that i can blame her or anything and then john says yes it is understandable because you are really attractive i am attracted to you and tg says thank you john says jk haha <laughs> which like maybe isn't actually a bit of gay panic but it was just something i noticed it's a mood it's a mood it's teenagers listen they're doing the thing that guys do where they flirt with each other to assert dominance <laughs> hell yeah uh, and then one of them says just kidding <laughs> chicken if you will. Yes. What's the other thing I wanted to say about TG? I don't know. I mean, we get a hint of, like, he does things for irony. Very cool. Oh, oh yeah. the other thing. The other thing I wanted to bring up is that the characters uh, that are not John are referred to by letters, even when they talk about each other. And that is because they literally do not have names yet. Because as a reader... The we first thing we them. do is name yeah. John. We have not yet named these characters. Interesting. And because of that, they're just referred to by their chum handle co letter combinations. That's because this story is run on Homestuck logic, logic where a 13-year-old is not named until the beginning of the story and then goes down to beat his father to death with a hammer. Homestuck, an extended you know. Homestuck reference. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, don't be giving away our future intros now. <laughs> Hell yeah. Speaking of video game logic, the lack of arms is uh, <laughs> also something I found particularly interesting. It's just a stylistic choice. Well, yeah, it's a stylistic I didn't question it at all. It was when the narrative questioned it. It's like, get your arms. And then we put them on the horrifying doll that is still there. It is a, a recurring gag, I believe, from Jailbreak and Bard Quest and Problem Sleuth. Mm. Uh, the show us your arms. <laughs> because some people don't understand art style. 
there, there is actually an author's note about that uh, in the book. There will forever be a class of people who struggle to understand that the form may be simplified through stylization, which in some cases <laughs> results in missing appendages. And these people will be mocked in my cartoons forever and ever. <laughs> Perfect. Like, again, I didn't even question it. Maybe that's because yeah. I grew up on VeggieTales, who also have things, <laughs> and they also don't have arms. But, like, I was just like, yeah, here's here's the guy. I'd be like, where's the arms? And I'm like, fucking, they're metaphysical. Move on, Janet. <laughs> I don't want to draw hands. Did you see the Tumblr post from a little bit ago, which was like, in my downtime, I like to paint arms onto the VeggieTales screenshots. Oh, God, I did. And it looked awful. I was scared of Archibald. Oh, no. Ugh. It was kind of funny. Awful. <laughs> How are we feeling about the future of the comic at this point, Sam? Um, I mean, like I said, uh, I'm very curious about where things are going to go we keep getting these like big heavy hints of like oh you know we're gonna do the goof goof dildo right now and i'm sure there will be future goof goof dildo but like there's also heavy shit that's yeah. just lurking in the wings and so i'm like tentative but it, it excited i don't know what all is going to come i'm sure it's gonna be one hell of a ride that's for damn sure but yeah. uh yeah, I'm curious and excited, as as per usual. One note about the, uh, what is it, squawk like an imbecile and shit on your desk command. <laughs> yeah. There was a MS Paint fan adventure website where people would make their own stories in this style. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was one that starred a bird character. And Andrew Hussey, the author of Homestuck, submitted to that comic the command squawk like an imbecile and shit on your desk. And so when Homestuck was being written, the person who wrote that comic resubmitted it back to Hussey and he put it in the comic. And oh. most characters, because of that, get the blank like a blank and blank on your blank as one of their introductory commands. Incredible. I love it. It's kind of like a microcosm of like, yes, we're writing a story on the internet together. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I yeah. And that's an aspect of this whole thing that I find absolutely fascinating. And I'm very curious to see how it evolves because it, it's only going to build from here. I am certain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, All right. That's a. I think a, that's going to. Yeah. That's an episode, lads. Notes. So I guess we should do promotions. What you can find. Oh, all right. Uh, for the next episode, we will be reading through the curtains closing on Act 1 and then the next page, which is years in the future, but not many, a wayward vagabond records a stuttering step in the sun-bleached dust. What the fuck? Yeah. I swear to God, I'm going to be blindsided by everything in this comic. I, every time I'm like, oh, that's wild, I will then get lulled back into a false sense of goof-goof dildo. And then just <laughs> again. Ugh. Sometimes the story will present itself in a way which is uh, very clearly goof goof dildo. Uh -huh. um, you can find Serious Business Podcast on Twitter, I believe, Sam? Yes, we are on Twitter at Serious Bus Pod. Uh, and you can find us on Tumblr at Serious Business Pod. Send us an ask. I don't know. Live your life. Yeah. Send us your thoughts on this part of the podcast thus far. Maybe we'll do reader mail later. Reader, listener mail, listener mail. Read our podcast. <laughs>
tell us to shit on our desks. <laughs> we won't. <laughs> we won't, but you can tell us. Send us a non-hate, please. And be creative, <laughs> goddammit. Yeah, be creative. Make it creative, a non-hate, or it's not even worth our time. Or just don't send us. Maybe send us nice things on and on. Send us uh, pester chum names you want us to use. We're not doing that. Next, we'll probably do, what, capsulog modus? Strife oh, specibus? Fuck. You're going to make me learn shit? Uh. I don't know what any of these things are. Uh, I'm excited. Let's see. Sam, did you want to promote your Frankenstein thing? sure i mean I've, I've got plenty of personal things to promote i just oh well promote a thing um, you're cool people should check you out what's up i'm cool uh yeah, yeah anyone who so... has time to listen to this has time to do something worthwhile yeah <laughs> um yeah so like sam said i'm working on a big frankenstein project that's currently in production called the franken files uh, it's a video essay series on YouTube about Frankenstein and its various uh, adaptations and uh, doing some analysis on the major media legacy of Frankenstein. I'm also on TikTok now. Uh, you can find me at Ghost in the Bathroom. I accidentally blew up a little bit. and Yeah? Uh, just a little bit. I made a TikTok about vampires. and I saw it on your Tumblr. Yep. So... Yeah, Ghost in the Bathroom. Catch me on TikTok. I'm going to make some dumb D&D content and some fun cosplay content. Uh, we need a sign-off, guys. Oh, yeah. fuck. Um, reader, hit next. Oh, that was good. I liked that. Such a good... Oh, Did you just yes. come up with that? Uh, yeah. This wasn't that was very good. This wasn't listener. Could it be reading, listener? Though. Listener 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 hit next